I just finished up playing XCOM 2 with Unseen Academical. We streamed for about three hours, which was pretty fun. Got through the first couple of missions, did some story, and talked a little bit about the plot, those kinds of things. I have to admit that I am not very good at being told what to do. <laughs> and <clears throat> I think it's an interesting thing about video games. They give us an opportunity to not only highlight our strengths, but also our weaknesses. Academical has been through XCOM and XCOM 2 a number of times. He's also exceptionally analytical. He can get down to the heart of individual systems and uses a very precise analysis to determine effectiveness in situations. Now, given, he's not always right, but compared to me, who is working on that game primarily on intuition because I haven't spent as much time in its immersed in its systems, there were a lot of opportunities that he was able to provide for essentially being the military advisor on how to approach situations. And I had to notice in myself that eventually I wasn't as keen on responding to the advice as I could have been. Now, given neither of us made 100% of the right calls, and there were some spaces where I thought, oh, well, I'll put somebody here, and then it turned out that if I had put them there, they might have gotten blindsided by an enemy in a building or something like that. On the flip side, there were a couple times where I wanted to play a little more cautious or keep an eye out for a particular soldier, and that soldier almost got killed. But more often than not, Academical's advice was sound, and I had to get into a mindset where I realized you, Josh, are, are getting a little tilted. This is not bad advice. You just don't like being told what to do. And that does not mean that you should not do this. It's something that I know that I have to work on moving forward, and I'm excited to have more opportunities to work out that skill set. I know it sounds probably a little braggadocious, I think that's a word, uh, but I, I like to think of myself as a leader. I like to think of myself as a role model or somebody who can set an example for other people to follow. But I think that some of the most effective leaders are people who are good followers, people who can lead by example, people who can see that somebody else has done something well and not only emulate that, but then be in a position of service to others. I have to personally realize that until I can work on that skill set well, my ability to lead is going to be less than what it could. So here's to more XCOM 2, and here's to me learning about where my place is and working with that a little more effectively. Hey, Josh, you, you're pretty tuned into these ty types of things, so I'd be pretty surprised if you hadn't yet. But uh, when you're talking about like leadership versus following, uh, especially when it comes to video games, the, the first thing I thought of was the Stanley Parable. Now, uh, if 
you haven't played it, I guess I really shouldn't talk too much about it, but um, it definitely plays with that dynamic of uh, following orders in a video game. So uh, if you have played it, maybe uh, that would be a good discussion to have around this same topic of leading versus following. Hey, Sean, that was a really good game to bring up. The Stanley Parable is actually one of my favorites. Uh, it places you as a fairly average person in a fairly average cubicle type job when suddenly everybody's gone. And there's a narrator who is chronicling your situation as you go through the office. Now, to talk any more about it does get into spoiler territory. So to respect any folks who may not have played the game yet, uh, I, I would actually start by saying you should play it. And even just watching a video of the Stanley Parable, I feel like is not quite enough. So I'm going to give a good four seconds for anybody who is going to be spoiler reverse to go ahead and jump past this. Okay, so Stanley Parable is super frustrating for me because it has so much to do with choice, right? And these are situations where you are having this narrator essentially tell you what to do, and because I'm garbage at being told what to do, um, I, I don't know, it... The Stanley Parable is interesting because it gives you so much of a sense that your life is simultaneously <clears throat> of your own choosing and also not at all. There are so many different endings to the Stanley Parable and some of them feel like reality breaking endings. It's such a compelling game because it is a discussion on game culture and it's also just a discussion on life itself. The most compelling ending that I, I distinctly remember is one where <clears throat> you essentially get a secondary narrator who tells you that the only way to win the game is to shut it off. And it, it basically requires you to make a decision. And I sat there for so long waiting for the out waiting for the opportunity for the game to do something. Because I was like, if I quit the game, then there's no way I'm going to quote-unquote win because I've quit. But the game's fascinating because every decision, even a lack of decision, somehow pans out into what ends up being the end game. One of the most interesting endings, in addition to the one I was just talking about, is... One where you kind of follow all the directions until you see the signs that tell you, like, don't do that. It's going to mess with you. Um, you should do something else. And you have to make this choice, like, do I follow the instructions I've been given? Or do I follow my intuition and the signs that I am personally seeing and make a different choice? Um, yeah, thank you for bringing up the Stanley Parable. I think it's a really great game. And... I think that it plays on a lot to this idea of being told what to do and making decisions and trying to figure out how those different leanings play into life. Again, if folks out there haven't played the Stanley Parable, you totally should. Also, if you have, 
if you have played the Stanley Parable, I'd love to hear about your experiences with it. So, yeah, use the call-in button. Let me know how you feel and how you feel about choice in games as a whole. Morning, folks. I started off my day by talking to my sister and then talking to my mother for a couple of hours. I haven't talked to my dad yet, but I plan to today. And I wanted to start off by elaborating on a, on a small piece of discussion that I'm actually going to relay out of context. If you have been listening to the way we play, you know that yesterday they echoed a long segment from UX in the Nation, which is another anchor station that deals primarily with user experience and design. They talked about a piece that is pretty, it went viral from SBNation.com called The Future of Football, that ends up touching on a ton of things that have nothing to do with football. It's a really fascinating piece, and I encourage you to look it up, but for the purposes of this discussion, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about it. What I do want to talk about, though, is Sean's call-in response to the discussion that UX and the Nation had about the future of football. I know that sounds confusing, so I'm going to go ahead and just echo that call-in. Understand that there's a backstory to that, and you can check out UX and the Nation for more of that info if you're interested uh, but for the purposes of this discussion i just want to talk about time constraints what would we do in a world without time constraints in a world where time is limitless essentially meaningless i appreciated that thought from sean's call-in and the UX in the Nation segment gets fairly deep into some discussions about the concept of a world without time. And the future of football, the original SB Nation piece, does beg some questions about it. I've thought about time, particularly during the roughly two and a half hours I've spent this morning talking with some family. And the time that I've spent talking with my father over the past couple of days. Some of these situations are fairly personal uh, in nature, and so I don't want to get too deep into them. But I thought about it when I listened to Sean's call-in talking about games giving us an opportunity to create situations that have challenges inherently with time. Implied with every game, regardless of whether or not it's a direct construct in that game, is a challenge of time. Whether a game takes five minutes to play while you're sitting on the bus on the way to work, or it takes a hundred hours to clear a comprehensive RPG with in-depth story and character progression and grinding, the real-life amount of time that it takes to play a game always factors in to how that game is received. There are some games that I'm willing to, to put 20, 30, 40 hours into. My willingness to put that much time into a game has changed as I've gotten older. Because I don't have as much time available for free gaming. 
barely have time available for gaming for the projects I'm working on for IntelliGame and other websites. Those things said, also as I get older and I realize the value more of my family, of my friends, and the time that I spend with them, it also changes the nature of how I play games. Maybe I could sit down night after night and just dedicate it, dedicate that time to plowing through a single game. I could do that when I was 17, but now that I'm almost 30, that's harder. Um, Sean over at The Way We Play has mentioned that he's got a new family. He's got a, a, a new baby. That changes things. Any of us who are working jobs or have family or relationships, loved ones, those all affect time. And those all, sorry to crib the phrase, affect the way we play. I don't know what it is about. No, that's not true. Having these conversations with my family over the past few days has really made me pay more attention to the concept of time and the way that it factors into my gaming. I think it's really important to consider time when playing games. It might be why I have played more multiplayer games recently. They give me an opportunity to interact with friends in ways that playing solo games like Persona 5 might not. I get to mix some of my gaming with some of my socializing. So even though I don't like Overwatch very much, or I should say I don't like the way it makes me feel when I'm done with it, that's why I still find value in playing. It's because I'm using my time well. I wonder what other ways time becomes a factor, not just as a challenge or a function of the design of a game, but as a function or a design of our own lives. I wonder what other ways Time will reveal itself as perhaps the most precious of currencies moving forward. If you've got ways that time has affected you, or ways that you've thought about time in relation to gaming, I encourage you to use that call-in button. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Sorry, this was a little bit more bloggy, rambly than uh, my traditional segments, but this has been something that's been on my mind and got brought to a point this morning. So. I hope it helps you too.